Welcome to the Fort Collins Fellows Podcast, from Colorado State University to New Belgium Brewery and the hundreds of miles of hiking and biking trails. Fort Collins has earned its well-deserved reputation as one of the top places to live in the United States. Join the fellows as they uncover the stories, places, and people that make Fort Collins so extraordinary. Alrighty, everybody, let's shake off the dust right now. We've got Scott Shrake with us today. We are very fortunate to have individuals such as himself decide to make Fort Collins in Northern Colorado their home, not because of any lack of opportunities, but because of choice. Fort Collins, fellas, we are uh, excited to welcome on. So thank you, Scott, for joining us today. Scott, great to have you. Yeah, happy to be here. Thanks for the opportunity. I've, you know, long-time listener, first-time caller, just excited to, to be with the fellas. I was honestly disappointed that I wasn't initially included as a fella. But I hope that this will also serve as an interview application as well. You're an honorary, you're a fellow now. You're a fella, you're an honorary fella. Is that, is that right? I don't even know if I'm saying it right, but it doesn't matter. I love it. Fellow. Tell us about yourself a little bit, a little quick background introduction of who you are and uh, what brought you to Fort Collins. Yeah, sure. Messy background, I guess. Kind of all over the place. Jack of all trades, master of a couple, I guess. So entrepreneurship is sort of the theme that runs through it, entrepreneurship and engineering, PhD in engineering, a lot on the sustainability climate side early on, back before it was cool, back when there was still like a lot of time left for it, rather than just like, you know, a little bit, we got to move quick. Got into entrepreneurship during my PhD, had a buddy that dragged me into it. And that was where first time I got really inspired, like, oh, this is why I went and did my, you know, engineering education, why I wanted to go build stuff. So went and was an ASU faculty member and executive director for entrepreneurship down there. Spent five years helping build startups, working on my own med device, digital health company. Took some time off after, you know, I outgrew my vertical a little bit and had a good run with the the digital health company, but needed some some downtime. So I uh, was a yoga studio, yoga instructor and a studio manager for six months. That was fun. One of the highlights of the career for sure. And a consultant to actually pay the bills straight at time. And then I had an opportunity to come up and lead the entrepreneurship center at CSU. I hadn't ever heard of Fort Collins, honestly, and hadn't ever really heard of Colorado State either. So when I, I got the job, I was like, oh yeah, I'm moving up to Colorado Springs. And my Colorado friends were like, <laughs> wait, what? I was like, yeah, yeah, CSU, Colorado Springs. They're like, no, 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 Fort Collins. That's hilarious. It's got what year was this? What year is this? 2017. Oh, okay. Yeah, and my wife was actually on tour in Europe. She's a professional dancer. She's a dance professor at ASU or CSU now. And so I was trying to convince her that Fort Collins was a great place for us to live while she was in Germany at that time. And she's like, well, I love Boulder. And so it was really a, a hard sell, honestly, initially. But we got her up here and now she is refuses to leave. You know, dragged me out by my dead body. This is the, like the happiest I've ever been. I love this place. I love our town. I love our community. And I'm, you know, of the same mindset, I think. It's, What's her, does she have a favorite part about Four Collins? Like, what is her? Yeah. You know, I think she would say a lot of it. She's built a really good dance community here. I think she has a great hip hop crew and there's a, a fun b-boy crew called the, uh, man, I'm blanking on their name right what, now. There's a dance studio on the, on the corner of Prospect and LeMay. You know what I'm talking about, Scott? Yeah, Grace has taught a class with you there. Okay, okay. Yeah, it's right down the street from my house, so. Yeah, Foco Slava is the the fun, like, Foco Slava? That sounds like a future guest. Yeah, Kevin, who runs it, awesome. They go in, like, freestyle in, in Old Town Square sometimes. Patrick, I don't know if you know that area. 
But yeah, it's a great spot and great. You can see Grace out there sometimes. So I think she loves the community. The people are great. Really, yeah. the people are great up here. It's, it's a special spot. Yeah. So you got up to Fort Collins and you joined CSU and have just absolutely crushed it there. Again, I'm not just saying that because you're on our show, but honestly, you know, believe that and uh, have had probably opportunities elsewhere, you know, of, of headhunters as top dogs do. What's kept you in Fort Collins? Man, great question. Yeah, I've, I've been lucky to have offers on, you know, both coasts and some pretty premier places. Fort Collins is just a special town. It's like this almost uncomfortably utopian community where all folks, all perspectives can come in and find a place for themselves. The first couple of years up here, it was hard to find community because once people come here, they never leave, right? Like people are born here, raised here, they they kicking and screaming, like I said, are, are going to leave. And so it was kind of clicky of like, yeah, we're all still high school friends or we went to high school together. So it took, you know, Grace and I a couple of years to really find our tribes up here and our communities. I feel like we've done that now, but it, it just, it's a well-run city. It's a well-managed uh, community. There's a, everything you would want in a big city, but still has a relatively small town feel. Like Grace and I are from major metros, lived in major metros the last 20 years, LA and New York, Phoenix, Chicago. And so for us, this is a small town, but right here, yep. you know, people from Cheyenne are like, this is massive, right? And so I think it gives you the best of both worlds. So, you know, it's, it's interesting you say that. Like, I'm Patrick and I both born and raised here, but I moved to California for 16 years, 17 years, and lived in Los Angeles, San Francisco. My wife went to school in Chicago. Everybody, it's it does take a little bit. Like, my, when my wife moved here, like, I knew everybody. Like, I grew up here, so I had my friends and everything like that. And she kind of had to find her her own pack, like you said. I love that term. But it's funny, like everybody complains how sometimes, like, oh, Fort Collins is getting too big. Like we kind of like that it's a little bit bigger and are getting bigger. <laughs> We're probably the only we ones. Costco's. What's that? We've got the Costco's now. I know. Yeah. And, and like we literally, Scott, like we're on College and Prospect is where we live. Like we're right by the CSU fl- the the Flower Gardens in the corner of the campus right there. But you know, it's nice to see it mature. I think maybe it's the right word in Fort Collins to see it kind of grow up a little bit. You know, it's not a city, you know, but it's like a large town maybe. But no, that's interesting to see from somebody who just moved here a few years ago uh, compared to like, you know, we grew up here and then moved back because a lot of people moved back to Fort Collins. I think that's a common a common theme. But um, when I, Scott, I want to can you give us so you got to see a shoe 2017, everything like that. I'd love to, if you could talk a little bit about your role within CSU. Uh, you mentioned entrepreneurship, you know, Patrick and, uh, you know, I mean, we're huge supporters of entrepreneurship. Our family's been a part of it. I'd love to kind of break down to the listeners and viewers what you're doing at CSU, your day-to-day operate, your day-to-day role, and, and uh, we kind of go from there. I got a few other follow-up questions, but I'm going to hand it over to you from there. Yeah, happy to. So run the issue for entrepreneurship. It's awesome. We do. We have a zero barriers approach to entrepreneurship. We support any student, faculty, staff, or community member. And for us, you know, for CSU, our campus is the entire state of Colorado. So we are supporting small businesses across the entire state, rural, urban, whatever it might be. Or we support about three to 4,000 people per year that want to start a company. And so programming's free. We've got sort of various levels of, of it, depending on like, hey, I just want to dip my toe in and see if this entrepreneurship thing is for me to a couple of accelerators that we run, one in climate tech and partnership with Innisphere, you know, another wonderful part of the community's great partners. And then one that we run student facing. So that's 25% of my job is running Institute for Entrepreneurship. We got a team of 25 over there or 50, team of 15 over there. That's great. And then my other role is I'm assistant vice president for strategy working in the president's office. So I get to work directly in the president's office, working on whatever strategic initiatives might be right now. And I'm running CSU online and our CSU extended campus. 
portfolios of really helping reach across the state. We've got, you know, 40,000 credit hours of students that are taking classes every semester uh, across the, the state, country, world. So I've got a pretty diverse perspective of CSU operations uh, and just the amazing impact that we have here. But my passion, what fills my cup up is helping people start companies, whether that's, you know, mom and pop main street business or a startup, a deep tech startup. And it sounds like not necessarily just students, right? Like you don't need to be a student at CSU to get into these programs. Am I understanding? So our last program... So we, we have our, our front door is called the Venture Validator. We're on cohort 23 of that. And it really is. It's like, a, hey, I have this idea. How do I even begin to start to turn into a business? We've got people that have launched five companies and people that are just trying to figure out if it's for them. We had 80 participants in it. Three How many? Ago, 80. 80 participants in it three weeks ago. Of which 65 were from the community. And so, you know, it's summer session. Students are out. So you would expect, you know, more community members anyways. But City Fort Collins, SPDC, Small Business Development Center, we all partner on, on that. And then in this semester, it's probably like 40% community, 40% students and grad students and 20% faculty. There's some really cool faculty startups that come through too. That's awesome. I had no idea. How do you get involved with that? Yeah. Do you Google entrepreneurship CSU? Entrepreneurship, by the way, is the worst word to spell ever. It's been in my title. They're over I'll correct it. But entrepreneurship CSU and our, our website will come up and it says, you know, get involved. Venture Validator, it's right there. We run five a year, two every semester, and then one over the summer. And then we've got, you know, staff of the programs. But really, all you have to do, sign up, commit that you're willing to show up to those four, one and a half hour sessions, bring an idea and bring an attitude that, you know, get into work. That's awesome. I, you know, one of the things that I've seen that, and I like having you a part of the community is huge is because we've talked about it, that Fort Collins needs good jobs and people who are going to stick around the community with companies that they've started who are employing people. And uh, what would you say based off those 80 people who start a company or who go through the program actually, you know, produce viable, maybe not viable, but actually start a company and proceed forward with it? Yeah. And that's one of the views of why why we set the validator up is we want people to go through and realize, hey, I shouldn't drop 50K on a, a lease and you know 200K to outfit this restaurant. Maybe I should start with a food truck, right? Maybe I should just start uh, in a commercial kitchen renting some space because once those sunk costs get high and once the, you know, the run rate gets up there, it's really hard to make your business actually work. So for us, there's actually a success metric. Of we prevented people from starting a company that really didn't have a business model that was going to make them work yet, right? And so sometimes people go through three or four times before they hit a business idea that sticks. You know, I would say probably of the sort of mom and pop shop, small, medium enterprise things, I'd say probably a 30% success rate if people actually go through multiple programs and launch a company leveraging our programming, the SBDC and some of our other partners. Some of the, the student enterprise, I think it's higher for community. It's kind of medium for students because, you know, there's they still need about a decade of experience before they really have something. I mean, there's a special, and then the faculty uh, startups at a little bit higher rate, uh, but have a long commercialization timeline. I do want to just talk quickly on the, the Yeah, group. go ahead. Like, you're spot on, right? We need more businesses and we need more businesses that can keep the talent that CSU is producing. I was a product of, of the University of Pittsburgh and we were, you know, Pittsburgh has you know, 10, 15 universities right in the middle of Pittsburgh. And our, our big term in the early 2000s was the brain drain because everyone would graduate from Pitt, Carnegie Mellon, all these top universities in the country. 
and have to go to DC, New York, Chicago to get jobs because Pittsburgh didn't have it. And so there's a real specific emphasis in Pittsburgh on tech, on finance, on healthcare. And now it's a startup hub, right? It isn't just thriving. It is one of the rust belt cities that's actually been economically revitalized because they figured out how to keep their talent. And I think the city and our partners and the community are working on that right now. How do we make sure that we've got the jobs? In the last five or 10 years, they've really focused on making sure our jobs weren't just service and retail. So, sorry, Chris, go ahead. No, I know. Dude, I love it, man. That this is this is so cool. I mean, you th- think about like Broadcom, you know, just got that deal with Apple where they're going to start producing these chips here in Fort Collins. Some of the the next wave of, and we'll talk about AI here in a second. I want to get your thoughts on that, but uh, <laughs> yeah. but no, I love that. My wife actually grew up outside Pittsburgh, and she went to school in Chicago, and you know, she didn't stick around like you're saying. But she searched you, Scott. What you say? She was tracking you because Scott had right. this many. <laughs> New York is going this way. So, <laughs> but my question I was going to say is, um, let's say like Patrick and I wanted to team up and invest in one of like somebody's like you know company. Like, can can somebody in the local? Can we go to one of these meetings and, and like hear pitches and when yeah. people have these ideas that come about? We're like, wow, we like that. We want to put our money. Like, what? I guess who's funding some of these? Is it CSU? Is it private investors? Like, one of us? Kind of, how does that look? Yeah, so there's, it's it's a multifaceted question, right? And a lot of companies don't need that sort of investment, right? They're better off just going out and taking a bank loan or trying to bootstrap it for a certain period of time. But if you're looking at some of those high tech startups, SaaS startups, some of those ones that truly do need investment to push, you know, yep. Ben Henderson at Tilt, she's crushing it. She just closed, I think it's a great series B on an up round and a down market. She's local, but I, I, it's, there is a capital, there's a gap in capital here, especially when it comes to, uh, you know, capital for, for women founders. And that's both here and across, you know, globally, it's 2% of, of capital goes to women founders, but they have outsized returns. It's like right. 10x returns compared to where it goes. Long way to say, to answer your question, there's a couple angel groups, so different levels of capital investment, right? Angel groups, Rocky's Ventures Club is great. Aesphere has raised two funds. I think they're in the process of raising a third. And they, they really focus on the deep tech, climate tech, AI, biosciences. Yeah. Um, but it is harder to get in into like, how do I start to get my money into some of these, these deals? The reality is the vast majority of what we're seeing come through don't need that kind of capital infusion yet, or we're helping them find non-dilutive funding from, you know, NSF, small SBIRs are going through some of these different programs. So there's a lot of avenues for funding via WEDIT against industry grants or some for the deep tech startups. But if you guys want to get plugged in, my short answer for you is check out Rocky's Ventures Club. They're a really yeah. great spot to get started. Capital is, is we have a lot of capital in here. We had a similar pain point to what I had at Arizona when I was down there that a lot of people made their money in oil, land, cattle, corn, citrus. And so the idea of how do I take this capital of I've been only investing in land or whatever to investing in something fast-paced, high-tech, it's a hard gap, you know, to sort of spin. And like, as Canvas Credit Union, have you guys like teamed up with Canvas? Canvas is an incredible partner for the university in general, right? Yeah. Huge, huge partner. Can't say enough about how great they are and the work that they do and support. They are good, again, on that small business side. Right? Yeah. So it's loans. So it's dilutive capital versus non-dilutive capital, right? So when you're talking about angel investing, that's dilutive capital. That's when you're coming into a seed round or pre-seed round. Gotcha. Okay, that makes sense. Outsized returns. And Canvas is really good at, hey, you need 500K to get this business going. Here's an SBA, small business. Yeah, you can work with them that front. Interesting. Yeah, it's interesting. You got 6% rate, 7% rate. This is sort of normal lending terms versus I'm waiting for an IPO or next funding round to get my exit. 
any uh, kind of superstars that are coming up through the ranks that are like, we're, you know, because for college, I think, I don't know if we're ever going to get any type of Google or Twitter or anything like that. I, I'm not sure. I don't think so. But, you know, one of the things that Mayor Fort Collins talks about, you know, like she's like a, the lead marketing development, you know, lead marketer for Fort Collins to try to get companies and to stick around and new to come. But anything coming up through the, the ranks uh, through CSU or a part of CSU that's like, this could turn some heads down the road. Yeah, we got a couple of good exits already. So in a lot of different spaces and where you think about where part of what you think about, and you said you wanted to talk about AI and some of these other pieces, but part of where you think about is when you're talking about economic development, which is sort of another hat that I wear and got some great partners in, in economic health. Uh, Siona Kendall and um, Shannon Hine are, are fantastic and, and are working, you know, they're the ones who help land the Broadcom Apple partnership. But when you're thinking about it from that lens, we've got some really great strength in climate tech. We've got some really great strength in ag tech, ag tech some life sciences, especially on the vet side, but homegrown talent outside of the university, Dan Holtz and Bilgo, they've absolutely crushed it. Bilgo started as a student idea. Dan was the mentor. The student wanna didn't want to run it. And I think I think they're at a unicorn, you know, one billion plus valuation last time they raised. I don't want to, you know, don't quote me on that. But Dan has just done an incredible job building, you know, a real great deep tech payment process or I mean uh, SaaS payment processing platform. The other one, Jen Henderson, who I just mentioned, she's a rock star. So Tilt's doing some really, really cool stuff with Lee, even maternity leave. She's got an incredible story about, you know, losing her job because she went on maternity leave and that was her inspiration of like this system's messed up. I'm going to start something and do something about it. And she really is uh, crushing it. We punch above our weight in terms of our alumni and the amount of you know, companies and startups, a lot of them have had to go to Denver or go to other areas to go launch these awesome companies. But I think we're seeing more and more entrepreneurs come out. Laborjack is a really great one. Some local guys that came out and, and they've done a great job. I think they're in, you know, dealing a couple different states now. But yeah, we've got some good winners that are pushing through the pipeline. That's awesome. That's so cool. So are you teaching Scott as well at CSU? Did I see that? I used to. So okay. yeah, I just, they've got me running up to too many units at the moment. You got a couple hats you're wearing. So if I had this back when I was in school, I, my grades would have been way better, and I may I might have even stuck all the way through college. Who knows? But uh, <laughs> but 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 Chat GPT, what is CSU like? What, like you know, I mean, it's amazing product. But you know, if I were going to school and they're like, hey, you need to write a, a report on um, climate change and how it affects the front rate, I mean, I could probably put something in Chat GPT and it would spit something out. What what is you know what are your thoughts as a you know a teacher as somebody who works in the you know a, a major university here in this country? And I'm just curious your thoughts on on that. Yeah, I think you know multifaceted response, right? So in general, I think I've I've been really happy with CSU's response of hey, this is a tool. It's a new calculator, right? Yeah. We're, we're not going to pretend that kids can't use calculators and you know when you're taking a math test growing up, you're not going to have a calculator. Like, yeah, I do. I actually have a calculator with me 24-7. You know how big this thing is. Yeah. <laughs> you actually have a big calculator. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's a tool, right? It's fantastic. Now, the challenge is, it, and where you know universities really have their value proposition here, is critical thinking and that interdisciplinary thinking, right? If you put a garbage prompt in the chat GPT and you don't know how to synthesize whether that what data it spit back out of you was useful or not, you're just going to put out some things that don't make sense, especially with sort of the hallucinations that they have there. But in general, I use it daily, like several times a day. It's a force multiplier for me. I use it to help craft emails. I use a brainstorming partner. And this is just, so chat GPT is one facet of generative AI. Right. Yeah. 
right? So, you know, all sorts of generative AI in general, it's going to be a disruptor. You should, you and everyone else should become familiar with it. It's a tool. Now we as a university have sort of multi multifaceted approach. How can it help us with operations? How can we streamline and find some efficiencies? How do we ensure that we're producing students that know how to use these tools to go out in a world where they could be displaced quickly if they can out? How do we make sure we're teaching them meaningful things? And then how do we make sure they're, but use your sort of standard assessment of like, did you write this essay or not? We have to evolve. And I think most of our faculty have. Ethan Mollick, I think his name is, fantastic faculty member out of MIT or Harvard. And he's got a great, yeah, Ethan Mollick. He's got a really cool newsletter that he puts out every week of like, hey, here's what's going on at Generative AI. Here's what's going on in this space. Here's how we as educators can adapt and here's how to use it. So I'd recommend anyone that works at CSU that's an educator, any high school student that's a, or high school teacher, Google Ethan Mollick, find his Twitter, sign up for Yo, we should, we'll, we'll put that in the show notes. Scott, that's Ethan Mollick. I'm going to write that down. And CSU is getting involved. CSU entrepreneurs and uh, whether it's tech, ag tech, environmental tech, there's it's going to be integrated kind of throughout those industries some way, somehow. Yeah. So we put, we at ESU for Entrepreneurship, I got ahead of this about six months ago and we had our team create an AI toolbox. And basically we've got, you know, 500 plus because there's 500 new ones that come out every day, whether they're useful or not. 500 plus tools that are useful at different stages of starting a company and also useful for different pieces of um, generative generation, right? Is it content creation for, is it digital to, is it text to voice? Is it text to video? Is it like all these different things? So we're, we are actually preparing and running workshops. I mean, some of our faculty members have worked with local companies uh, to help prepare them and get them uh, up to speed on sort of what's happening in this space. But yeah, it's, it's a force multiplier. We got to be aware of it. I think some things are overblown on it. I think some things are underappreciated. I think it's only 180 million people have still used it. When you think there's 8 billion people in the world, there's uh, a long way to go. Well, I think there is, I liked the comment, you know, Chris is a lender. I'm in the real estate world as far as brokerage goes. And uh, it was, you know, AI isn't going to replace agents or lenders, but it will replace the agents or lenders lenders who are not using AI. Yeah. And I was like, oh, you know, I think that's spot on. You know, I wasn't, a, I don't have, actually I sold all my Bitcoin and cryptocurrency, but I have invested in for, you know, five to seven years. And it, it wasn't to make a million dollars. It was to be, it was to familiarize myself with what that kind of system and process looks like so that we aren't the people, because we're all pretty young here. We're not the 60 year olds who are asking our grandkids to compose us an email because we've never seen it before. These things are going to be a part of our daily lives here in the near future. And it's like being familiar with it is like, you're going to be left in the dust if you're not at least getting familiar with it. Yeah, I've got one of my buddies in CTO for three unicorns. I'm lucky that he's he's a friend of mine. If I would have listened to him, I would have been retired and uh, a long time ago. But he's built the tech stack on three very different tech companies, one hardware, two software. Uh, and I was asking him about you know how I positioned myself for this. He's still, I think, probably 36, 35. And he goes, look, I want to first admit I'm not an expert in this space. And this is the guy that, again, it's built three unicorns, the tech stack behind it. Like he is my go-to for expertise. He's like, I'm not an expert here. And so first, but yes, you are. None of us are. Right? None of us are. And so that's just sort of really good framing mentally of like how far involved people that are actually in AI every day are ahead of the rest of us if they're ahead of them by that much. And also, this is one of the most disruptive things I've seen. I think it's going to be huge and beneficial in so many ways, but also you cannot not pay attention to it. So I think somebody made a good comment. They're like, yeah, like, like Patrick was saying, it's not going to replace us. It's just going to make us, whoever wants to embrace it, really, really good and a much better at our jobs. Like letting is like place a lot of these level it's really going to come for sort of your your white collar office worker that's sort of at the the mid level 
Yeah. There'd be a lot of operational efficiencies that we don't need actuarials or we don't, there's some of these pieces that it's going to free up folks to do other things. Like most technologies, you know, people said cars putting horses out of business, all, all these different things, right? And usually technology increases create new jobs and new opportunities. Yeah. I would want to stay in front of this. It will absolutely without question displace significant parts of workforces, but that again will allow people to do new different So questions for you on this is oh sorry Patrick. My cousin is at CSU. He is he has one year left. Uh, I think actually maybe two, three semesters left. And and he took a semester off and he's having, I think he's just having some young person issues of trying to figure out what he wants to do in life. But his comment was exactly what you just said. You know, I, I'm going to, it's going to, AI is going to replace a lot of mid-level managers, which my degree, I think he has a liberal arts degree. Um, either I have to go get a master's or PhD to really leverage my degree, or I'm going to become an electrician. And my girlfriend's dad is, has an electrician company and I'm going to become an electrician. So what is like CSU or universities in general trying to like position themselves to say, hey, we have value here producing a degree that's going to do this for you? Because I told them, I was like, you have three semesters left, finish your damn degree. Like period, end of story, figure it out from there. Yeah, this I'm going to answer your question in a circuitous way. I'll start with, if you're completely technical, you can be automated. If you're completely soft skill, there's 8 billion people in the world. Good luck competing that. So those that can thread the needle, that can be, have some level of technical acumen and people skills are not going anywhere, right? They're invaluable. And so one of the things that I think universities does really well is put you with a lot of people that aren't like you. And so you get to have a better understanding of who, how the rest of the world works and you grow as a person and you have deeper understanding and empathy that it takes a million different you know jobs and careers to make the world work. And so I think there's a whole lot of other value propositions that universities have, right? I think we're in the coming of age business. There's a, you know, life experience part that's happening there. You have access to, you know, the best network you're ever going to have in your life at the time that you're in there because you've got 35,000 peers and all of their uncles and aunts and dads and moms and all that stuff. We give you some, a piece of paper, you know, credentialing that says you're competent at doing something. You have access to faculty members that are the world-renowned experts in, in X, Y, and Z. And so I do think there's a ton of other value propositions, but if we are not preparing our students to be successful in certain ways, right, if we're not adjusting to what the workforce needs, if that's why students, this becomes incredibly philosophical really quick, right? It's like, are universities uh, a job factory or are they built for the you know, the pursuit of higher learning. And there, there's back and forth every day. Through what we've done in the States, in a lot of ways, they're credentialing and, and you know, the coming of age piece, right? And so there, there is that argument there that employers are using degrees as a screening tool and they expect them to come out with specific tools. And so for that, does that mean employers and in, in industry should then be taking a bigger role in the training and development and should be subsidizing that cost for students if they really want to hire these students to have these specific skills? Do universities need to sort of change what they're doing and, and we are and many are but yeah it, it's a super complex you know gordian knot of a question of like how do these things all come together because universities here do so many more things than just training and development and credentialing like the u.s has outsourced most of its coming of age like how do we turn these you know nut, nut job 18 year old guys like we all were into like functioning members of society when parents may or may not have been involved are significantly less at all like we have to do so much of that now of like how do we turn you into a good human being <laughs> because the kid it's was so the for 18 years yeah i laugh because you go to the east coast they ask you where you went to school you go to the west coast they ask you what do you do for a living yeah it's just kind of how 
like the geographics are kind of, you know, kind of dictate what's important or, you know, where they want to push you. But kind of go back to CSU, Scott, and, and you know, you're, what are you, five and a half years in. What are you excited about for the future? You know, if somebody coming to CSU here in the next couple of years and city's just rocking and rolling, it's, I mean, we're always one of the best places to live. What's got you excited specifically about CSU and entrepreneurship and what you're doing and what you're looking to build? So many things. CSU and Fort College, both special places. We've got a new president, you know, President Amy Parsons. She's a absolute rock star. She's a, a great administrator. She was an attorney. She was, you know, kicked butt when she was at CSU on her time here and did some of the major projects that, you know, we all know at this point. And then she went and ran a startup for three years as a CEO. And I think you take that skill set combined with the season, you know, now she has is it at uh, university administrator and she's just absolutely firing on all cylinders. I don't know how she's keeping the pace, but the vision she has for CSU and what we can continue to be is awesome and just nonstop excitement and engagement. I think Coach Norvell, I think, you know, I played football at Pitt, you know, it's going to be a good, it's going to be an exciting year. I mean, holy smokes, Colorado college football is crazy right now. You know, there's still a lot of rebuilding that needs to be done. There's a culture that he inherited that will take more than just one year to change, but he is doing it right, right? He's creating the family atmosphere. He is the exact thing that we needed. It gave him time to do it. You know, Patrick and I were saying like, you know, five years, like all these guys that are one and done or two and done, like it takes time to change that culture. So I, I, it yeah. sounds like they're giving him a runway. So I'm off the, yeah, they are. And he's, yeah, he and his wife are just special people. And so I'm, I'm optimistic that, well, you know, I'm not hanging my hat on a, a nine and four or nine and three season. I think he might have on positive direction and trending in a good direction with the culture he's building. We just landed a great four-star recruit there. That wide receiver, right? Yeah. You got that wide receiver? Yeah. Yeah. And you do when you're pulling a four-star recruit with some of the other talent that, you know, schools that were going after him, that's really saying something. So Jay's building the right culture. His team's building the right culture. I'm excited about that. And I think CSU and Fort Collins and the state of Colorado in general have an opportunity to be really special in climate tech and climate adaptation. I think there's going to be some really cool stuff that happened there. What specifically on the climate are you excited about? Yeah, so I mean, we're we're finalists for an NSF National Science Foundation Engines um, proposal, and it's fully cross collaboratory. All the universities across Colorado, I think Wyoming is actually part of that too. State came involved, and and I think we've got some really cool plays on the energy side. The powerhouse, if you guys have ever been there, really yeah. cool facility. Yeah, Brian Wilson's a rock star, and, and helped build some some great legacy there. But I think there's gonna be some really great stuff on clean energy that we're already well positioned for, but a lot on the adaptation and resilient side, right? We've got, I mean, you see it. it Colorado becomes less and less insurable every year with the hailstorms we're having with, you know, Holy cow. from a fire on, on New Year's Eve because we haven't had any appreciable, you know, snow at, at December 31st. And so figuring out how we can work with in the real estate sector to build some more uh, resilience in housing and how we're building it or whether it's, you know, improved shingles, something along those lines. But I think it's some really cool stuff that we'll have in direct sort of mitigation, but also that adaptation resilience side. I love it. I love it. What, what is it? California, California. I think Allstate and State Farm dropped out of coverage in, in, in that state because of yeah, Florida too. I mean, you, you, you truly are rapidly moving towards self-insured. Yeah, which is hard. Yeah. I mean, it, it, I just got, I, I, I got into an Aston three weeks ago and, uh, you know, my, my truck, it'll be about 20 to 20, 30, 20 to 30,000. I thought it was going to be total, but I guess trucks are valuable. So it's going to get fixed but it's like holy cow if i you know if i didn't have insurance or the person who hit me didn't have insurance you know that's it's a big check to write and you know that's on a small scale compared to the houses so yeah i think uh and or you know maybe not self-insuring but it's like the deductible is going to be ten thousand dollars or twenty thousand dollars 
where, you know, what's the biggest issue for individuals, uh, personal finances is medical bankruptcies. Like if they have some type of property and casualty bankruptcy that they also have to, you know, self-insure against, that's just uh, a recipe for for disaster, especially when people are just living paycheck to paycheck. So yeah, that's, that's exciting that CSU is on the forefront of that. And are you kind of getting to be like hands-on involved or are you kind of just like putting the pieces together so that the those people have that, the resources they have to move forward? Are you actually having these conversations and 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 kind of brainstorming with these these CEOs or founders or startups or anything like that. Yeah, yeah. Ecosystem development, right? That's that's my sort of specialty. I'm really good at seeing all the pieces or a lot of the pieces and figuring out how to position those things so that things could be a little bit more interconnected. So that the last couple of things that I'm excited about for CSU and Fort Collins, uh, I think we really are blossoming Colorado, Fort Collins, Northern Colorado. We really are blossoming as an interconnected ecosystem of leaning into our individual strengths, realizing there's resource constraints. And so I think us, the Institute for Entrepreneurship, does a great job of partnering with uh, the SBDC, Small Business Development Council. Hey, we'll help them get through the front of the funnel. You guys help give them individualized, you know, consulting and X, Y, and Z. Same thing with Innisfere. You guys are a great deep tech accelerator, 25 years of track record. We'll help lead into our brand. You know, it's a global leader in sustainability. And so I think I'm excited about that. And then we continue to be leaders in vet tech and ag tech, right? Number two vet school in the country. Number two? I always thought it was number three, but we're number two. I thought it was number one. It was number one. Uh, we should be. We will be. We're number one. Nobody's, nobody's got to fact check that. We're number one. Number one. <laughs> number one college town in uh, Colorado too. So there's a lot, a lot of things that we're excited about. Right. Right. Yeah. So all, all sorts of great things. And yeah, I do get to be involved. I would say I'm more involved in the strategic alignment and then I've got a great team that actions it, but I do get to still sometimes fill my cup up and, you know, go into the trenches with some of the startups that are coming through. So what's cool. the first step you would tell somebody if they were considering starting a uh, starting a business or uh, looking at colleges? Well, let's, just, let's, let's focus on that one. Starting a business. What would be what would the first step be that uh, somebody should do? Sign up for the Venture Validator. Like truly, we, we walk you through. It's free. It saves you so much time and energy. There is a pretty curated process for the Venture Validator. Yeah. There's a pretty curated process for like, should I start this company or not? And it's, is there a business model that makes sense? And that is, who's my customer? What's my value proposition? And what are my revenue drivers? And if we can... If we can't get those three things to line up, you don't have a business. There's no reason to go through the rest of it. If we can get those three things to line up, then we can walk through who your channels are, your partners, all those other pieces that come through. But at first stage, we will help you figure out What's your value proposition? What makes you unique? Why do people come to you? Who are you selling to? Because there are very few mass market products. You have a niche. There is somebody that is your specific customer. And how does revenue come into your organization? I'm looking at the website right now. It's very well laid out for anybody who wants to jump on there. Exactly. Stage one, Venture Validator 1.0, stage two. I love it. Yeah. And you're saying you're saying that's four one and a half hour time block commitments. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's, it's self-paced. Pardon me. We pace it, but it's self, you, you're, you hold yourself accountable. So if you sign up for that first class, it's not for you. That's great. I encourage you to do you know, the other three because no matter who you are, no matter what business you go into, everyone will benefit from you understanding what a value proposition is, what a customer is, what revenue is. Like whether you start your own company or you're an employer somewhere, Patrick, I'm sure you, you love that your, you know, your clients, your, uh, pardon me, your employees can say, yeah, this is why Secret Real Estate is unique, right? This is the value that we provide. This is our t- sort of target demographic that we're going after. These are the sort of clientele that we have. And this is how revenue comes in. We make our money on commission or, you know, whatever else it might. 
No, I mean, I think that's great because even like there's a lot of people who are moving to this state and they, they see so much. Like I was I was sitting at a coffee the other day with an individual who moved here from the, you know, the valley. And they were talking about there's so many things that Fort Collins is big enough for that doesn't have that where you see so much opportunity to start where that individual may have a background in starting up companies and great, but maybe it would be their first company that they would be starting with. They're new to town, they're new to the area, and this is a great opportunity that's, is it free or what's the financial commitment to it? Yeah, it's like validator one, two, and then the Jumpstart are all free. And validators wow. are, are led by somebody. Jumpstart is self-paced. It's just the, you, you pre-recorded the videos and you use them when, when you need it, right? If you're, I need to incorporate, how do I go through there? And sort of walk. How amazing. I mean, yeah. So you're, so you come to Fort Collins or you're from Fort Collins, you have this great idea and you reach out to Venture Validator and you are, have a world-class minds at your disposal for free to help you understand if you have a viable opportunity or not. That's yeah, it, pretty it, awesome. Also, I had the one of the amazing re- things about Fort Collins, one of the reasons I moved here when I was trying to tell them where I wanted to go next. It's a lifestyle community. We have so many incredible successful entrepreneurs that have retired at the 40s, 50s. They don't want to get back into the ring and start another company, but they still want to be involved. And so our mentors and the people that we have leading the program, you know, they've all built global companies or, you know, national brand, IPO, whatever they might be. And they're like, yeah, sure. I'll give you like 50 hours a year that I'll come help with this thing. So the validator is co-led by Aaron Finch, who co-founded Coinstar and Renbox. He's a VP at Otter. The guy's great, right? And and then, you know, one of my team members, whether it's myself or Sydney or, or Nina Sharma, who's running it now, we've all led and built companies. So you have direct access to mentors, to talents that people that know what they're talking about and can really save you a lot of headache of trying to, you know, muddle your way through. That's amazing. I might I might show this to my wife, Patrick. Yeah, I mean, seriously, she's got some cool things going on, and I know great opportunity for her. And it's that's crazy. Like, that's sort of our lead, right? Like you've been chewing on an idea for a while. Why don't you spend six hours to figure out if it makes sense or not, and you can kill it off if it doesn't, or you you know push through another six hours and sign up for Validator too. And yeah, we do this because donors support it because you know the community for City of Fort Collins just recently started sponsoring us for it because they saw it was such a value add to the community. So it is no brainer. It's a no brainer. Landing grant mission at CSU do what we do best in supporting Colorado. Was this year, was this year baby, Scott? Was this something that you kind of came in and helped kind of get off the ground too? Yeah, it was It was something that I wish we would have had at ASU. Um, yeah. And we didn't. We just said, yeah, come one, come all. You know, we'll ASU. And I mean, come on. Come on. Mentor, you know, 900 startups <laughs> a semester. But we didn't do any screening on the front end. And so, you know, we had 900 startups, but 66% of them. And I feel like in a post-COVID world, like entrepreneurship is probably, I mean, it's never been more popular. I feel like people are like reevaluating what they want to do with their lives. And they're like, I'm going to start a business. And to have this in your local community as just like, you know, it's just kind of get you started and at least find out if what you're doing is wrong or what you're doing is right. I love it. Yeah, I love it. It, it's my baby. It was, uh, I think we built a really sort of intelligent gently sequenced set of programs that are, you know, set, I can put my toe in the water, I can put my foot in the water, all right, I'm going all in, but I'm smart about when I went all in. Well, like you said earlier, you know, it's like you're kind of, you kind of hang your hat on, not necessarily like the success rate per se, but also like saving people from starting something they, they really shouldn't have because they've now fleshed out that idea that could have just been a brain drain and a financial, you know, catastrophe for them. So yeah. I mean, how many times have you seen that in your line of work where you're like, all right, I'm going to rent you this space. Uh, maybe I shouldn't. Maybe oh, gosh. I should move, right? Yeah. I mean, it's, well, and I also know I would never rent uh, or, you know, I, I shouldn't say no. 
if you're going to start a restaurant, go for it. You know, and I got being a venture validator. I just know I will never start a restaurant in a million years. We've got a couple that are doing real well in the family, but we also, you know, we're intelligent about making sure we own the building and making sure that there are some, you limit your downside, right? And also what a brutal business, right? Only oh 1% margins. I mean, but, anyway. but wait, hey, I mean, there's some great there. Now, and also I will also say this though, like it's, it, it I say this with like investing in real estate. If you're going to if you're going to invest in real estate, if you're going to own one, you need to own 10 because you need to understand the systems and you can systemize your business and if you have to replace one furnace one year, nine of them are paying for that furnace. So whereas if you have one restaurant and you have a down year like COVID or if you don't know the systems cuz there's restaurant tours out there that just absolutely crush it and know the business, know the systems, know how to make money. But man, yeah, the I'm good at making a sandwich, so I'm going to start a, a sandwich shop type situation. Yeah, go through the- By the way, shout out to, is it the taco shop? It was a food truck and now they got a brick and mortar down on South College. Amazing. You ever had it's a great, I mean, it's a great evolution to go rent a gas yeah. space, food truck, brick and mortar. I remember it, when my wife and I lived in San Francisco, there, were, there was a, I can't remember the name of the restaurant, but it started up as a pop-up. So we went from like a little pop-up restaurant to a food truck and then eventually, um, you know, had a, a brick and mortar. And when he opened it up, uh, all right, well, I, we'll get you I have one funny story and then we'll get you out of here. But I knew a guy that owned a restaurant in San Francisco and he had a buddy of his that was opening a restaurant in New York City. And he, he the, let's just say the, the actual opening was like October 1st, but he marketed to have it open on like August 1st. And everybody that called to book a reservation, he instructed his staff to say, we're sold out. We're sold out. We don't have anything available till October. And the restaurant wasn't even actually open. And then finally when it opened and they're like, yeah, we got an availability. He, he, he was off and running and he never looked back, but he basically did a fake opening and just told his staff to just say, yeah, we're, we're all booked. And everybody was like, God, if they're booked, they're always booked. They must be, this must be the greatest restaurant in the world. And that's how we got it going. I thought that was a, a clever idea. Yeah, human psychology. I mean, it's the nightclub, yep. right? Like, you, yep. you know, the nightclub's empty. You keep 50 people online outside, and then all of a sudden right. you're 100 or 150 because it's scarcity, and this must be a good place to go into. Humans right. are incredibly predictable and some fantastic. With speaking about restaurants, and we are are very supportive of our restaurants here in Fort Collins, we uh, we end this show, we end each show with asking our guest. Uh, we are the Napa Valley of beer here in Fort Collins. And just actually on Wednesday, it was uh, it was after 4th of July, I decided to take the half day off and go brewery tours with some clients. And so I was at Horse and Dragon. I was at Funk Works. And then we went to, uh, where did we go next? Oh, Salt Lake Brewery, the one that's now in Prost. But anyway, oh, oh, yeah. we, uh, we asked our, our guests, what is their favorite patio to enjoy a beer on or just their favorite place to go enjoy a beer? Yeah, I think uh, Napa, is the Fort Collins of wine. I think we need to be clear about that, right? Fort Collins is leading. Who's heard of Napa, right? A little valley somewhere. Yeah. I like Overrated. A little, a little switch up. Yeah. Yeah. So, I, you know, I'll, the favorite beer is probably, uh, you know, Voodoo, Juicy Haze, New Belton. But favorite patio that we find ourselves at the most is probably Odell's. Um, and th- there's so many fantastic other spots, but that really is sort of a nice little short jaunt from our house. Stodgy's awesome. They've got a great outdoor vibe. Stodgy's great. Just so many great spots in Fort Collins that it is hard to choose just one. One. My favorite, this is a, a bit of a hick, a, a hike, sorry, Peculiar. Peculiar's got some some great beers right on Mulberry. Not necessarily the best ambiance outside of the little patio, but really great taste. So I'd, I've got a variety out there. I was just there because Car Starter is right next door when I was getting my estimate for, uh, <laughs> and I asked him, I said, is Peculiar any good? I've never I've never been, so I'll have to put that on the list. It's a good one. It's a good one. I've been putting a lot of time, probably too much time at 
Frost, the German beer garden that yeah. just opened up. Well, that's, yeah, that's right by you now. God. What's your, give me major cross streets because we're obviously neighbors. I just don't know how many roads away we are. Well, yeah. just so all my fans don't run to my house right now. No, that's why I don't want to be. Co- <laughs> college and Prospect, we're just a few blocks back off of College and Prospect. Okay. Like, what we're, we're really. Park, park uh, what is it, Parker and Remington, right? Parker and uh, Matthews. It's all. Yeah, we're, oh, we love it. We we absolutely love it. What's that, Scott? Sorry, when be end late ish. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. It's. Yeah. I tell you that little uh, midtown old prospect neighborhood. It's it's uh it's rocking and rolling right now. Scott, do you go to? Have you been going to Prost at all since you guys are? I just thought about that. You guys are super. Yeah, crazy. you know what? I have. You know, my my wife quit drinking because she decided that we uh to get pregnant, and so I've really cut back on the reviewing. Time. We'll we'll edit that part out. That we'll just take that part out. Yeah, no, we're uh <laughs> we're we're thrilled to be having our our first gym at the end of December, and so oh, my free time has been cut down. A whole lot this year i have been approached a few times really enjoy it but we we are you know it's hard to drink for three right and so yeah. i just don't want to <laughs> well hey when i got a scott or a patrick's got three little ones i got a six month old so uh, you know my boy was born on december 24th so you know i i know what you're going through right now i did the same thing last year yeah and honestly my wife is a superhero she's a champ in, in so many fantastic ways and i uh, deeply empathize with all the amazing things she's doing like creating a human and so uh but she's she's really smelling well these days and breweries aren't necessarily her favorite smell so Oh, I think for Jared Sands, 30, you know, re- re-embarking on our love for breweries. Because she loves it. Like, she is a huge brewery fan. It's just not... Um, How wild. It's on the gold. My wife's was leather. She hated my leather bag. Like, get it out of the car. <laughs> oh, I thought you said your wife loved leather. I was like, leather? No, the smell of leather when she got into the car. Like, is your bag in here? Get it out. Yeah, the breweries in the gym. Like, she immediately, when she washed out of the B.O., she's like, I can't be here. I have to go right now. And you guys are about as fit as it gets for a couple. Like you, uh, our wife, Terry, the team. Yeah. Actually, all three of us here, because Chris can be in the same boat. All three of our wives are about as good. Uh, athletic levels just, there's levels to this, right? We're here. Oh, we're here. I know. We're going to New York City. She's running a New York City marathon in a few months. I just I just tag along and just be like, I don't know how you did Like. She was like, oh, I'm going to do the treadmill real fast before I go and work out. I'm like, is that one after having a kid ready to run? Yeah, we all married up, Jet. I think we all knew we married up, but uh, <laughs> so many reasons. We all definitely. I don't know. Yeah. Love it. With fans, Scott, this is a big you coming. Yeah, this is a big great, Scott. I, I, uh, I, I'm looking at the website now, and we'll, we'll put up uh, show links and everything like that when this goes live. And we'll put some contact information as well that if yeah. you guys are looking at getting more information about CSU or wanting to connect with Scott, there's some areas that are LinkedIn that uh, we can get you get you in touch with. So appreciate you joining us because you are a, a special mind, and Fort Collins is, is lucky to have you. Thanks, buddy. Appreciate it, fellas. Thanks for letting me be an honorary fellow. Looking forward to the next time. Honorary, absolutely. Yeah.